Hey, I'm Asher. And I'm Jackson. And what you're about to listen to is strictly confidential. my week i just got back from a design conference last night just as boring or interesting as you imagined it to be not really what i want to talk about because you and i as our audience players by now are both designers and i could only think about designing the logo and all the stuff you get for a design conference has to be the most nerve-wracking work you can possibly have one of my friends actually you know her too, probably Sarah Berlinski tweeted saying something like, there's nothing like being a designer and having to design your own business card. Yeah, exactly. Because you're your own worst critic. It's like going to the, it's like if you're an Uber driver, having to show up to the chauffeur convention. Yeah. And you have, and every single thing is being critiqued by people who know better. Yeah, that's a good analogy. The overall visual pre- presentation of this conference was great, but I feel like if you're the person who designs that, you know Every single person who's who wears both a starch dress shirt and a wool beanie at the same time is going to be nitpicking every single detail. Yeah. The speakers were amazing, but the sign at the front had a little bit too much space between an E and an S, and I had a panic attack. <laughs> well, as much as I love talking about this, I don't know how many of our listeners are actual designers, so I would rather talk about something that everybody can care about. Everybody wants to know the different ways I've gotten effed over by vending machines in the last couple months. It's true. I get all the tweets. <laughs> so it all started when I found out uh, about six months into working in the building I'm working in now that our building had vending machines. And I walked downstairs to try and get a vending machine. And I wanted a Dr. Pepper because Dr. Pepper doesn't make my stomach hurt the same way other sodas do. I decided, you know what, today I'm going to get a little bit healthier. I ran this morning. I'll get a Gatorade. So I get a Gatorade and I want the yellow color. Because the yellow color Gatorades, which is, yes, the title of the flavor, the yellow color Gatorades are my favorite. So I click the button for yellow Gatorade, and a blue Gatorade falls out. Which isn't bad. Blue Gatorade is a nice alternative. I'm fine with that. The problem was, it shot out of the vending machine and busted open on the floor. (laughs) It's about as rude as a vending machine can be to you. I think that that sounds like a commercial for Coca-Cola. Yeah, it does. The other one that happened was there's also a snack one. And the snack one has those like corkscrew things where it'll like screw out and then the treat will fall. You know what I mean? I'm familiar. So I love Takis. They're unhealthy for me, but I, I love them so much. And this vending machine allows you to get multiple things in a row. So you can you swipe your card and then you can click, I want A6 for some Cheetos and A7 for some Takis or something. What I started off with was I wanted Swedish fish. And so I clicked Swedish fish and the thing spun and the Swedish fish leaned forward but didn't fall. Classic. So what I did is I ordered another Swedish fish because I was like, well... This gives me a good excuse to eat more Swedish fish. The Swedish fish that was hanging fell but got lodged between two other items. And the next Swedish fish hung down in front of that. And I figured, okay, this gives me a good excuse to get some Takis. Because fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, I'm going to eat some spicy treats. (laughs) And the Takis were right above the Swedish fish. And so I think it's definitely going to just knock everything down in. And so I click... A6 for some Takis, the Takis get stuck too. At this point, I had used what I was planning on using for my lunch money, which was just going to be a dollar for a snack from the vending machine, plus two more times that, and I don't get to eat any of it. 
I've been hardcore bullied by a vending machine. It is it is it cyberbullying if it's an electric vending machine? Well, you're definitely not alone. Lots of people have been screwed over in very similar ways because vending machines have been using the same crude corkscrew mechanics for about as long as they've existed. If only there was a brilliant inventor who could improve that mechanism. And pff, while we're at it, why even plug it into the wall? We could have a perpetual motion vending machine that uses the energy of the snacks falling and somehow converts that energy back into the machine. Damn, you came well, up with that on the spot? We can talk a little bit. Go ahead. You came up with that on the spot? Yeah. Dang. <laughs> I'm a professional. Man, you might need to find a new co-star with more talent. <laughs> But what is a perpetual motion machine? It's the hypothetical machine that can create work indefinitely without an external energy source. So you can imagine how this would be very useful and would certainly save everyone a lot of money and maybe the planet, reducing carbon emissions. This had a resurgence somewhat recently during the internet era of rage comics when there was this popularization of troll physics. Oh boy, I do not feel good about knowing a lot about this. But troll physics is basically really clever mind teasers that were packaged in the most degenerate way possible. Some of our audience may not even remember Rage Comics because this is circa 2008, but troll physics and proposed perpetual motion machines presented more or less as a joke include things like a light bulb that's powered by solar panels and the light from the light bulb powers the solar panels and this circuit continues indefinitely where the light bulb is always fueling itself so it never needs to be plugged in and the light is always on. Imagine how much you could save on your electric bill. Another example, uh, you got windmills, but as the windmill rotates, it actually spins a fan which blows air back towards the windmill and repeats the process. Don't have to put up these big old turbines in West Texas anymore. You can do this anywhere and get free energy. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, these sound insanely ideal. I don't. I don't have any. I don't have any questions so far. I guess I'm just interested to know what crazy thing has happened with these recently. So perpetual motion machines, big bold hypothetical machine. But Jackson, perpetual motion machines already exist. We've been working on these for a while now, and we've had some of our greatest minds that have been set to the task. So early designs of perpetual motion machines were done all the way back by Indian mathematician and astronomer Bhaskara II, who described a wheel, also known as Bhaskara's wheel, that he claimed would run forever. And a lot of the early perpetual motion machines have this similar design where it's a spinning wheel and there's a mechanism which causes weight to always be on the right side of the wheel. So it is always rotating clockwise. And that continual clockwise motion is, is, is a rotary force that is transferred to something else. Hmm. So Leonardo da Vinci also made a number of drawings of devices in a similar way that he hoped could make free energy. Uh, he was generally against such devices and saw them as impossible and foolish, but he still ended up drawing and examining numerous types of overbalanced wheels is what those magic wheels are also known as. We know that those don't work because they're pretty simple to build and we can just see from practice that they don't work. The biggest problem is, is that these all these different systems that are created to shift the weight to the right side 
also shifts the center of mass away from the center of the wheel, and that creates, I had assumed, too much friction and there's too much energy loss, and it eventually just comes to a stop. So to explain like I'm five, these are things that traditionally would be powered by other things that are essentially powered by themselves. Exactly. And can be powered indefinitely. Right. What if every electronic device that we have doesn't need to be plugged in because the device is a closed circuit which powers itself? And consider if a human being was part of that closed circuit where some form of energy output from a human being is all that's needed to grow food and you can basically create a closed circuit ecosystem that could be used for space exploration. Okay. So if we've been working on this for hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of years, there are unsupported claims that magic wheels have been around for a very long time. It's kind of difficult to believe that uh, we hadn't invented one yet. In fact, we probably have. In fact, I know we have, but we just don't hear about it. They've been silenced by the United States government or maybe someone else. I don't know. Who would ever want to halt the development and silence inventors? Why would that be something you ever wanted to do? Could it be like an actually altruistic reason? Whereas if I make this robot where it'll automatically do all the work it needs and power itself for like not for free but once you've paid for it it's done then won't that take away a lot of people's jobs hypothetically Hmm. and so that could be a reason the government would be like well we love the idea of this kind of thing because it makes it so much easier for us but in a capitalist economy people need ways to be provided with finances I hadn't actually even considered any of the negatives to having perpetual motion generate energy. I had only seen the benefits. That's a good point. It would definitely eliminate a lot of jobs. But it probably, as you've already touched upon, boils down to money. Who would want to silence the inventor of a perpetual motion machine? That's big oil. Uh, Big Oil, a name used to describe the world's six or seven largest publicly traded oil and gas companies, also known as super majors. These are the bad guys known as BP, Chevron, ExxonMobil, Royal Dutch Shell, Total SA, and any SPA, and sometimes Philip 66 is thrown in there, usually left out. It's the Pluto of Big Oil. A toddler definitely came up with the name Big Oil, right? Oh, yes. And super majors? Oh, yes. Okay, okay, I'm just making sure I'm tracking on all of this. And so the reason they would be specifically interested in this is because they are so much focused on powering stuff. Exactly. Okay. That's their whole deal. I don't have to tell you that there's a lot of money involved in oil because every nation needs that. But imagine a world where this no longer is the case. But why do we need these liquid dinosaurs right now anyway? Well, obviously, on a consumer level and in our daily lives, we need oil so that we can run our cars. A combustion engine that we all use in our vehicles has to combine gas and air to create a small contained explosion. That's the force that's needed to uh, push the pistons down, what runs the engine. But essentially, all you really need is a small explosion to make this combustion engine work. And there are a lot of things in the universe that explode. So why do we need big oil in the first place? Why do we have to use fossil fuels to to create these localized explosions? Well, one source that we could possibly use is hydrogen. Hydrogen is very explosive and there is a lot of it and it is everywhere. The difficult thing is getting pure hydrogen and pulling it out of that everywhere because it's mostly within thin organic matter and most abundantly water. And that's where we usually get it from. With a process called electrolysis, 
we can pull hydrogen apart from the oxygen in the water and basically run a direct current through it, which creates a, which drives an otherwise non-spontaneous chemical reaction. And stay with me, a lot of big words here. All I'm saying is that we can separate hydrogen and oxygen from water and get pure hydrogen. What that's saying is that we could hypothetically use hydrogen instead of, I guess, oil to make these combustion engine explosions. And you would have to make almost no modification to the engine you already have. If you have a controlled amount of hydrogen being pumped into the engine, that will work just as well. No modifications necessary. So is this assuming that my engine would then automatically take hydrogen from the air and do this? Or would I be pumping water into my car's tank? Hmm, that is interesting. Uh... Wouldn't it be fantastic if we could just pour water into our vehicles and make them go? Well, that's exactly what Stanley Mayer thought and why he is famed as the inventor of the water fuel cell. For those listening, I promise I didn't read ahead. I'm just very, very logical. Very logical and also great at leading questions. So the water fuel cell is a technical design. We have the actual drawings. It's all laid out on paper of a perpetual motion machine created by American inventor Stanley Allen Mayer. I think it's pronounced Meyer. Meyer, thank you. American, American inventor Stanley Allen Meyer. Meyer claimed that he had an automobile retrofitted with a device that could use water as fuel instead of gasoline. And while that is difficult to believe from the get-go, I explained electrolysis, we did our homework first to show that this is possible. And now we get to have our dessert. And now we get to have our dessert, and that's conspiracy. Thank you for hanging on this long. There's gonna be a murder. Don't worry. I'm usually... Uh, okay. Okay. Go on. <laughs> just, just go on. I don't have anything worthwhile to say yet. So a vehicle that could run on water instead of gasoline would obviously be a disruptor. There would be no need for the use of fossil fuels whatsoever if we could come up with a combustion engine that ran on nothing but water. So the water fuel cell purportedly split water into its component elements, hydrogen and oxygen, using electrolysis, something that already exists and is already being used. The hydrogen gas was then burned to generate energy, and then a separate process would reconstitute that water back into its original state. According to Meyer, the device required less energy to perform electrolysis than the minimum energy required predicted or measured by conventional science. Basically, he was getting more energy out of it than he was putting in. He was essentially giving more energy. The problem with that, wouldn't that still mean you would still have to add more water? You couldn't live off? Yes. Okay. So it's not exactly the same as a perpetual motion machine then, right? Not exactly, no. Because with a perpetual motion machine, I would put a certain amount of A in to get B result, but in that process, it would also be refilling A. Certainly, so, but in the same way, there's there's this, there within every vehicle, there's already something that looks like a perpetual motion machine, but it's actually not. So the spark that we get is coming from a battery, and that's what ignites the explosion. But the battery is being charged by the engine. So the spark creates an explosion, that, ex that explosion uh, fuels the battery, and then it continues in that loop. This just makes it more efficient though, because eventually the battery dies. Where even though energy is being put back into it, there's still energy being lost there. So you still have to, you can't just have the engine charging the battery and the battery running the car, right? 
So it's, it's kind of like this loop that improves efficiency, but it's not actually truly a perpetual motion machine. But that's kind of what made it all that all more believable was that it was it was you still had to add in the fuel source, which was water. So in a news report in Ohio TV station, this is where he got clout. He demonstrated a doom buggy that he claimed was powered by his water fuel cell. He estimated it only take 22 gallons of water to travel from Los Angeles to New York. Furthermore, oh. he claimed to have replaced the spark plugs with injectors that introduced the hydrogen-oxygen mixture in the engine cylinders. The water was subjected to electrical resonance, that's electrolysis, that disassociated into its basic atomic makeup. The water fuel cell could split water into hydrogen and oxygen gas, which would then be combusted, turned back into water vapor, and this cycle continues. That's crazy. 22 gallons to get from Los Angeles to New York. I just looked it up. New York to LA driving is 2,800 miles. My car at best gets 45 miles to the gallon at best. Right. So, That's, and, that would be very good. So that would still take me 62 gallons to get there. Whereas in 95 on this guy's pretty much first model of his water fuel car, he estimated 22 US gallons. That's bonkers. Yeah, and any kind of water would work. He would. Cl he claimed you could even use salt water. Could I use smart water? Use smart water. At that point, you're not saving any money, but you could do it. This invention could have made Stan very, very, very obscenely rich. But Stan had no interest in selling, he said, only to get his invention out there to the world. But he didn't become a millionaire. He did become a celebrity and perhaps even a target. So Stanley Meyer died suddenly, March 20th, 1998, while dining at a restaurant. His brother claimed that during this meeting with two Belgian investors in a restaurant, Meyer suddenly ran outside saying, they poisoned me. After an investigation, the Grove City Police went to the Franklin County coroner and concluded that he had high blood pressure and died of cerebral aneurysm. But some of Meyer's supporters believed that he was assassinated to suppress his inventions. Well, as we've talked about before, I think poison is the most straightforward, best way to assassinate, right? Oh, absolutely. If we're ruling in favor of the supporters that believe he was assassinated, like it, it sucks for them because it's easy for the government to say that he died of a cerebral aneurysm. Right. It sounds so convenient, right? It's hard to mask stuff like if he got a gunshot wound to the head, it's hard for somebody to be like, well, I think he just died of a stomachache. <laughs> yeah. Or if somebody stabbed him in the chest, it's like, well, I, I think he had whooping cough. And I want to say that saying he died of an aneurysm is just focusing on what happened and not so much the cause. Like if he got shot, you could say he died of a very big hole in him. But it's yeah. all too convenient, right? He invents this machine, which basically negates the need for oil at all, any fossil fuel, and you have these giant, giant, giant corporations with an obscene amount of power who think this isn't so good because this completely takes away any power that we have. Suddenly, he dies of an aneurysm, and the invention is never heard from or seen again. Are we sure he existed? Oh, no, he's absolutely real. This um, Ohio news station that I talked about, several interviews, he explains the process, basically breaks down electrolysis in really simple terms, and you see him driving his doom buggy, which he has very ornately painted on the side, the water-powered car. Oh, so there's like actual video evidence of this stuff. Oh, yeah, and he's a real man. Okay, and we do know I... that he did die in 1998, and the official statement is that it was a cerebral aneurysm, but it is tragic timing because it came right after the launch of his invention. 
So what's missing here is there's a three-year gap, 95 to 98. He invents a water-powered car that could completely change the world as we know it. But in the three years, it didn't. In 1996, Mayor... It's Meyer. Meyer, you're right. I don't know why I think Mayor. Do you want me to go through and just take out in your notes everywhere where there's an E before, so you just read it as Meyer? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So in the three years between his invention and his death in 1996, Meyer was sued by two investors to whom he had sold dealerships, offering the right to do business in the water fuel cell technology. His car was due to be examined by an expert witness, Michael Lafton, I guess just a professional guy who looks at things. How do I get that job? <laughs> Professor of electrical engineering at Queen Mary University of London. Oh, well, there you go. I don't want to do that. And fellow of the Royal Academy of Engineering. However, Meyer made that, uh, that does help a lot, by the way. <laughs> However, Meyer made what Professor Lafton considered to be a lame excuse on the days of examination and was never allowed to see the test proceed. According to Meyer, you missed one. According to Meyer, the technology was patent pending and under investigation by the Patent Office, the Department of Energy, and the military. His water fuel cell was later examined by three expert witnesses in court <laughs> who found that there was, quote, nothing revolutionary about the cell at all and that it was simply using conventional electrolysis. The court found that Meyer had committed, quote, gross and egregious fraud and ordered him to repay the two investors $25,000. I'm not fully understanding what happened there. His water fuel cell, which is his like water car tank thing, right? That yes. transferred hydrogen out of the water into the car and powered the car. What is it that they're saying here? It wasn't revolutionary enough? Well, electrolysis already existed and for a while. And the main issue with electrolysis is that you are getting much less energy out than what you're putting in. The energy it takes to actually perform electrolysis, this direct current that's required to split the water into hydrogen and oxygen, is vastly higher than the energy you get from the hydrogen. So it's actually a net loss. My, what Meyer was claiming to do was invent a quasi-perpetual motion machine that made it more, much more efficient to perform hydrolysis. Okay. So as he claimed, he replaced the spark plugs with injectors. Just to recap, that introduced the hydrogen-oxygen mixture into the engine cylinders. The water was subjected to an electrical resonance, that's electrolysis, that dissociated it into a basic atomic makeup. The water fuel cell would split the water into hydrogen and oxygen gas, then it would be combusted back into water vapor in a conventional internal combustion engine to produce net energy. Does that sound confusing? It's supposed to be, because, or at the very least, it's, it's either confusing for the sake of being confusing, or it's just so brilliant that we can't understand it. But the real nail in the coffin to this whole thing is that closed circuit perpetual motion is impossible. Regardless of how long we've been working on it, it completely violates the first and second law of thermodynamics. So you can get down into the nitty gritty and use big fancy words, but actually it, you need to step back and think of it in simpler terms to realize that it's just not possible at all. Perpetual motion machines that claim to generate more energy are even worse than closed circuits because, like I said, they violate two laws at the same time. But what we're talking about here isn't a perpetual motion machine, technically. It's really difficult to understand how it actually works. And that's not just me being dumb. The schematics don't actually detail anything that you would need to know for this to actually work. It just looks scientific and it looks impressive, but we don't, there's nothing in there that actually shows the process in which energy is converted back 
at the moment, this isn't technically a perpetual motion machine, but his quasi-perpetual motion machine is also impossible. Correct. First law of thermodynamics says that you can't create energy, and you also can't destroy it. It just moves around. So just the idea of creating a system in which you're getting more energy out of it than what you're putting in, it's bunk. It's always bunk, no matter how many fancy, scientific-y, Star Trek-sounding words you bury it under, it's never going to work because you always get a little bit less energy than you put in, not more. And that's that's the main thing that was the issue, that okay. he was claiming that you could put in water and you could get more energy out of it than you put in. And that's already the nail in the coffin. The simplest explanation there is just saying, I have this bucket. I'm going to fill this bucket with water, and then this bucket is going to do a fancy thing that powers something else, and then, oh no, there is more water in here. Yes. Okay, I get it. <laughs> That's actually the best thing to do, is that when you break it down into terms that make sense, it's completely stupid. And Stanley Meyer was actually one of the most successful con men of the 1990s because he hid the stupidity under fancy-sounding words. His patents have since expired. His invention is now completely in the public domain, and everyone can see his drawings, and somehow um, no engine or vehicle manufacturer has incorporated any of his designs because they make no sense. Beyond the first law of thermodynamics, he also ignores the second law, which is that energy is always lost when there is motion, because when there's motion, there's friction, and it escapes as heat, even in a vacuum. This guy has a community of followers, though. Oh, certainly. He convinced a lot of people. And I do believe he actually did have investors coming to him. He probably lied about being in, under the investigation by the military and the Department of Energy, because anyone who knows anything about that sort of stuff knows from the get-go it's impossible, no matter how many mystical science words you layer on top of it. Are, th are there still followers today, 23 years later? Oh, absolutely. So this guy did what all of us hope to do someday, which is create a thing that people believe and follow for years after it exists. Yeah, he's a hero, just discredited and assassinated, obviously. So I understand a lot of the theories and stuff we've talked about. You have to be not dumb, but naive to certain things to believe, right? Right. With this one, I think you have to be particularly naive because you, <laughs> you believe that perpetual motion exists. And perpetual right. motion machines are possible. And you believe so much to the extent that you think that this guy who was revolutionizing the world of perpetual motion machines created a thing so good that Big Oil, a name that was come up with by your own toddler, Big Oil, is trying or killed him off. Yeah, wake up, so, sheeple. But you're going to all of this knowledge and not even recognizing the tiny thing that this is fully impossible. Right. See, that's what separates this from other theories for me, because like, like, yes, I know that Jay-Z is probably not a time traveling vampire, but I don't have evidence against it. But oh, I think we might have to end the show because we've just pointed out the main problem with all conspiracy theories is they miss the forest for the trees. Jay-Z isn't a vampire because you can see from this particular angle that he has long fangs and there's this sort of like nutrient you can pull from human blood. It's because vampires don't exist. You have to start from the most basic criteria, and they never meet those. But the, the, there is a strong difference between this and that, though. And the difference is that in this situation, we have a strongly held scientific rule that we've been following for a long time. These laws of thermodynamics have been around for as long as 
And you're going to cut here because I'm Googling how long they've been around for. (laughs) These laws have been around since like the late 18th century. If these laws haven't changed for that long, then shouldn't we believe these laws? Whereas if I don't know Jay-Z personally at all, don't know very much about him beyond tabloid news and music stuff, and know that I believe that vampires don't exist, but I don't have a rule, like a scientific rule that says, no, these are 100% impossible. You know what I mean? True. So with, with this government killing perpetual motion idea, it yes, it is still, if I break back from it, I can see why they believe this, but I can see 100% why they're wrong. Whereas if I break back from uh, the Jay-Z one, I can see why they believe that. And it's harder for me to prove why it's wrong, other than just a shadow of a doubt. Some conspiracies are ironclad in the armor of stupidity. So unfortunately, Jackson, no matter how efficient your car is, you're still going to have to complain about the price of gas every time you stop in a shell. We'll be using fossil fuels for a while until either electric cars take over or whatever the alternative to the uh, combustion engine will be. But it won't be an engine that runs on water. It's a huge bummer. It's a huge bummer because we got a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Like, I can see tons of water just in cups around my house right now. If I could just toss that into my car and never have to pay gas again, it would be amazing. It's not the future until the gas nozzle in my car is just replaced with a garbage disposal. Just toss some banana peels, some eggshells in there, grind that up. Well, I think best case scenario would be if I was able to do that from inside the car. The back seat of your Honda Fit is just a furnace with a small boy shoveling McDonald's <laughs> trash into the fire. <laughs> And every now and then I toss him a cold french fry. (laughs) Thank you, sir. It's for the fires. You eat that fry and I'll toss you in, boy. Remember what happened to the last one. It'll definitely work out better than the garbage disposal switch because every time I hit it, I'll accidentally turn on the light outside instead. (laughs) I know what that's like. Only because I've lived in that exact apartment. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's all I've got. That's about all I've got, too, although I'm going to continue to lament the fact that we still have to run on gasoline because the Flintstones figured this out 10,000 years ago. But until we rediscover that sacred science, we're going to go ahead and uh, thank Glenmore for our theme song, Threadbare, off the album Burn of Proof. Check it out on Spotify. Check it out on iTunes. Check it out on GlimmerMusic.com. Listen to his stuff. It's great. Check it out other places. I bet it's on uh, Google Play Music, too. Check it out everywhere. Google it. Get it on Napster. I actually have a coworker that still uses Napster, but that's a conversation for another time. Are you going to turn him in? Uh, I have, actually. I used to have a coworker, I should say, because he is a, in prison right now for the um, murder of a bunch of people in California in the 70s. But yeah, so I <laughs> next week, we'll be talking about the theory, and I actually have one this time, a week in advance, and you all should be so proud of me. Next week, we'll be talking about the theory that birds aren't real. <laughs> That's a reality I want to live in. I hope I'm convinced otherwise. I'm really excited to dive in because I have had this submitted by um, a friend and he told me, you need to talk about this. And I did a little bit of research and it's very exciting. I know for a fact that beautiful tropical birds don't exist. Every time I look out the window, I just see what is essentially a bad spirit Halloween store Elvis wig with legs. Just these (laughs) disgusting, oily things. And I really don't want those to be real. What is real is our social media accounts. We've got yeah, a... Yeah, they can... Uh, oh, sorry, I was going to take it. You take it. I'll take it. This is what I do. God damn it, you're right. We, we've got a system here, and it's it's what works. Uh, but you can take it this time if you want. Nope, system. 
So uh, we've got our Twitter at S Confident Show, and uh, I'm never going to have an episode where I don't complain. Mr. Jack Dorsey, would you please give me more characters in my name? And then our Instagram is at Strictly Confidential Show. And if you want to send us anything, you can send it to either of those accounts or our email at strictlyconfidentialshow at gmail.com. If you have a conspiracy theory you want to share, definitely do that. If you want to be on the show, we want to interview you. And most importantly, if you like the show, share it with your best friend. They like what you like, so they might like this. And that would mean the world to us seriously. And yeah. until next time, stay frosty. Joseph, where's my icy? I said blue raspberry. Blue raspberry.